Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back. It's so great to see you, Nicole. How are you today? I'm doing well, Chris. How are you today? Doing good, doing good. I I was telling you in our communications for this podcast that I, I really got into this topic. It, it just really fascinates me when muscle physiology in horses comes up as a, a topic in, in my research that I did back in the day, e- even as a graduate student. I, I just, it is so, it's such an important topic for any horse owner, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Because I think, you know, especially when we're thinking about our horses and supporting them and doing some sort of job, and that job can be anything from like walk, trot up to high performance. The muscling of the horse is incredibly important for supporting them to physically be able to do the job. So we have a lot of focus on am I providing what my horse needs, helping them build top line. There are so many articles about it from a training perspective, like different exercises you can do depending on your discipline. So I think this is a great complement to that to more have a more in-depth discussion about like what the heck is needed nutritionally to build muscle? How does that happen? Because we mm-hmm. talk about it broadly pretty often. We do. We do. It's definitely an important topic. It, and I learned a lot, like, you know, even having a, a PhD. And again, like I exercise stress was one of my hot topics in research and still looking at it, what we understand today versus 10, 20 years ago, it's, it's light years. It's crazy how much research has been done. So just to start this off, and we know it's important. I mean, gosh, when I was working at the racetrack or like, you know, show jumping, all of these different disciplines, how do we help our horses build muscles? So I guess we can go big picture and then we'll kind of drill down into the really the dietary portion and, and how you can help them. But what's the general concept today of building muscle in horses? To start, I think we should probably be clear, like a lot of times we talk about muscle, we we very specifically focus on the top line. And and a lot of what we'll talk today is about the top line because it's a great place to evaluate muscle. But for context, horse has hundreds of muscles of all different shapes and sizes. And there's a couple different types of muscle. So there's skeletal muscle that supports posture and movement. That's really what we're specifically talking about and what you as a horse owner are evaluating in your horse and you're looking to condition. They have some other types of muscle in their body as well. So this concept applies more broadly, even though that's in the background and we're not really thinking about it. That'd be your smooth muscle. That's doing involuntary things in the body. A great example is lots of smooth muscle involvement in gastric motility. Mm moving digestive through the digestive tract. So the horse doesn't have to think to do that, just like you and I don't have to think to do that. Then you have cardiac muscle that's pumping blood through the body. So lots of different types of muscle. Our focus is on skeletal muscle, a lot of which we evaluate through the top line of the horse. What we're really looking to do is support a combination of things. One, from a nutritional standpoint, are we providing all of the nutrients they need to first Support the genetic expression of muscle to the extent they are able, because all of the nutrition and exercise in the world doesn't work 
past a certain point. So horses have their maximum capacity to build muscle. We see that nutritionally up to a point, and then we can improve it with exercise up to a certain point beyond that. I think, you know, the great example of what's the difference here is comparing that thoroughbred racehorse, like you mentioned, Mm -hmm. and a horse who's genetically bred to have really heavy muscle, like the halterbred quarter horse. Those horses are both conditioned in a very particular way to do their jobs, but they have different genetic potential for the expression of muscle. So we start there. Does the, does the basic diet provide the minimum required for genetic expression? And then are we also providing what it needs when we add an exercise program on top of that with the goal to condition certain muscles in specific ways to help the horse do whatever your discipline of choice is? Well, it's interesting when you, you're talking about that, some of the research and, and I think we'll get there is, is you said the genetic expression that they just naturally have musculature, right? And we can support that with, with a diet on its own. And then we need to go train and be like Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Or no, not all of us could be Arnold Schwarzenegger, but, you know, to put on all that heavy muscle uh, that they do. Like you said, I haven't even thinking draft horses, you know, how muscular they are compared to a lean thoroughbred. So it, it, it is, it's just such a fascinating topic. So getting down to the process or the science of building muscle in horses. Can we just kind of talk to listeners through that? So I know we, like you just said, we have the genetics portion where just muscle's going to build naturally as long as we can su- support it nutritionally. And then what happens when we do stress those muscles through exercise? So kind of talk about those two different processes. Absolutely. Okay, so we think about our skeletal muscle it's comprised of actually these really long, or I guess short if it's tiny muscle, these fibers. Mm. And when a horse moves, those fibers stretch and contract. And one thing that I don't know if a lot of people realize is that protein uh, muscle is a very metabolically active tissue. It's actually turning over all the time. So even in a horse that's doing nothing, okay, no job at all, Its muscles are being built up and broken down repeatedly over time. And then you can kind of accelerate that when you add that exercise stress on top of that. So what happens when horse's muscle is being synthesized at a rate greater than the breakdown? We have an increase in muscle size, so that's hypertrophy. The opposite of that is when a horse is breaking down its muscle more quickly than it's being built that is atrophy. And lots of different things can cause atrophy, right? There's nutritional causes of that. Uh, There's also certain health conditions. Some health conditions will accelerate that breakdown, like Cushing's, for example. But we have this balance of the muscle is constantly turning over, and then you add some sort of stressor. Exercise in this case is a stress. It's a good type of stress. But what that does is it creates some microtrauma to the muscle itself. And then the body has signaled to make repairs to that microtrauma. And when it does that, it actually increases protein synthesis, so the building of muscle. And that's how we see muscle growth in a horse who's being exercised. So in your horse who's at maintenance, at rest, not doing anything, you have that constant protein turnover. They'll build muscle to their genetic potential to build muscle. 
And then if we add that exercise stress on top, we accelerate that process and they can build even more muscle. The extent to which they build it is still limited by their genetic potential, but we can build on top of what we see in a horse at rest. And I think the great example of the impact of nutrition on this, we can see in the horse at rest. So we might do a diet evaluation and I would ask you, what are some things you like about how your horse looks and want to maintain? What are some things you think might be improved? And you might say, you know what? My horse's top line isn't great. And we look at it. We give it a score based on the wellness system. And in that system, we go from a one, really sunken, depressed top line, all the way up to four, that big, beefy, bulging off the back top line. Most healthy horses can be a three without even exercise. And we might make some adjustments to your diet at the horse at rest and see an improvement in that top line. That's that horse supporting the genetic potential without adding that exercise stress on top of it. Well, I think that's a, that's that's a really good overview, you know, on 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 muscle synthesis and some of it. I mean, as you're talking, I'm thinking you're right. Like when you say genetic potential, a thoroughbred, sleek, lean, meant to run distance. They're not going to build up muscle like a draft horse. You know, a draft horse is built to pull and, um, you know, so different types of, of muscle there. So switching gears a little bit, we did talk a lot about diet. So le- let's, let's look at some of the specifics there. How does diet help support horses building muscle, you know, from, from the ground up? Mm, starting from the ground up. Mm-hmm. When we think about muscle, you know, the primary component of muscle is actually water, like 75% water. But after that, the biggest nutrient category is protein. Makes perfect sense, right? Protein mm-hmm. is muscle. That's where our head always goes. Mm-hmm. You know, the balance is made up with some vitamins, some minerals. There's a little bit of carbohydrate storage in the form of glycogen. But obviously, to build muscle, you need the components of muscle, the biggest one being protein. But you don't need just any protein. We've talked about this in the past, but even though we get super focused on protein, in reality, what the horse does is it takes in dietary protein and its body breaks it down into amino acids, the little building blocks of protein. And then, provided it has all of the ones it needs, it reconstructs those amino acids into strands of protein in the body based on the type of strands needed for specific jobs. In this case, the specific job is to build muscle. Mm. It could be to build an enzyme or to build a hormone. Those also, you know, need amino acids just in a different strain. So when we're supporting that horse nutritionally, yes, there's a crude protein requirement, But like we talked about in a previous episode, most horses receive plenty of crude protein from forage alone. However, we don't see horses oftentimes eating, even meeting their genetic potential for muscle growth on forage, never mind exceeding that with an exercise program. And the reason for that is even the best quality forage, whether we're talking about pasture or hay, even that gorgeous alfalfa, that's Mm. really high protein. It doesn't contain all of the limiting essential amino acids. And the reason they're limiting is the basic diet of the horse, the normal diet we feed them, 
doesn't provide them in great enough quantity to meet that horse's need. And the horse can't make them themselves. There's actually a lot of amino acids the horse is able to make themselves. Mm -hmm. These are not those. So lysine is our first limiting amino acid. That is the only one that we have a defined requirement for in the equine NRC. We think methionine and threonine are our limiting amino acids. And so based on some work in swine, a little bit more recent research in equine, we're also adding those to our concentrates. At least I am here at Tribune. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And the reason we do that is you can feed way in excess of the horse's protein requirement. But if you don't have those limiting amino acids, they can't reconstitute all that other protein into the chains they need to make things like muscle in their body. So when we feed them that extra lysine, methionine, threonine, they take all those other little amino acids that they clipped apart from their forage, and then they build those muscle strands that are used to support muscle growth. So that's the first thing we're doing nutritionally. Are we feeding enough protein and is it quality protein that they can use? Now, I know some of you are thinking, what about those branch chain amino acids? I've heard about those. Definitely a hot topic on the mm -hmm. human side. Interesting thing with horses, the research has been pretty equivocal, meaning like eh, sometimes it seems to help, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, we recently did a study and it, it did not make a difference, although mm -hmm. uh, I have some other cool things that did that we'll talk about in the future. But ultimately, branch chain amino acids, probably in most horses' diets in great enough quantity, leucine, isoleucine, valine. Now, it, it is possible that sometimes it worked because in addition to those branch chain amino acids, they provided some of the essential amino acids at the same time and saw a response. So when I'm thinking about evaluating a diet, the first thing I'm thinking about, are we meeting the crude protein requirement? Check. Almost never are we not meeting. Them. But more mm -hmm. importantly, are we meeting those essential limiting amino acids? Then if you want to add a branch chain amino acid on top of it, it's not going to help. But if you add branch chain amino acids without addressing the limiting amino acids, it for sure is not going to help your horse build muscle. So that's the main thing we focus on. However, in order for all of that to work, the horse has to have enough dietary energy in its diet and it can't be in a negative energy balance. So where this, this often comes up is a horse who is thin. They need to build muscle, but they also need to gain weight. And sometimes you'll hear someone say, what do I need to feed? Or I want to exercise it to help it gain muscle. But unfortunately, unless that horse is in a positive energy balance, meaning they have energy to spare towards supporting muscle growth, it doesn't matter how much protein or exercise you put towards them. Their body is simply in survival mode at that point. So it's mm -hmm. using all of its energy first to support necessary bodily functions making sure the brain is still working, digesting food, staying warm. First energy goes there. If the horse has leftover energy, it's going to add it to body conditions, fat storage, until it gets to a healthy weight. Then once all of those needs are met, then it can divert energy towards building muscle. So we need all that good quality protein, but the horse has to have enough calories to actually support muscle growth to make use of that good quality protein. Oh, yeah, there's a, a lot to unwind there. That's, that's really good, Nicole. It, it, it's, 
going back to the energy thing, you're right. Like in starvation mode, it, it does break down protein and stuff. So your muscle and you need to, to make sure they're, they're using those calories. So that, I think I wrote that down. I think that's a, that's a great topic in the future for another podcast. And then in my head, as you were talking, I was thinking somebody may go, well, what about wild horses? I mean, they, you know, they got plenty of forage or it depends where they live, but let's say that the plains of Asia where they've kind of evolved or first evolved our domestic horses, you know, that we're not asking them to ride. We're not asking them to barrel race or, you know, run around a track or pull uh, heavy carts and stuff. So, you know, they make enough muscle to survive. They're fine, but they're not doing the performance things we need. So I think that's where this, this extra muscle comes in, right? Like they, they need that to be competitive, you know, oh, to go and yeah. Absolutely. And you have to remember, we've genetically selected these horses mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to have that muscle. I mean, yeah. we won't go into into it today, but there's yeah. even different fiber types of muscle that are fast mm -hmm. and slow switch. They help horses do different jobs. And in part of our genetic selection, we put some horses towards more fast twitch, some horses mm -hmm. towards more slow twitch, depending on their job. And you'll notice the wild horses, they're tiny, right? Yeah. If you turn... If you turn domesticated yeah. horses out in the wild, over a number of generations, they all approach pony size, even mm. though they started really big, because yeah. that's what nutritionally is supported by those wild horse diet. In addition, the average wild horse population is much younger than our companion horses, our domesticated horse. And one thing we know with age the horse is less able to utilize dietary protein to build muscle. Plus, we have some of those illness type things like mm. Cushing's that show up in old horses where mm. they need more dietary support to even maintain muscle. So that requirement for the horse doing nothing, its requirement for those essential amino acids can go up with age and illness just to support, you know, baseline muscling. Survival. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is fascinating. And I, and I see us, you know, talking more about this in the future. And, you know, again, to the listeners, if, if you want to learn more about a certain topic like this, please, please contact us, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, the website, uh, tribute equine Any final tips, Nicole, or, or final comments? Sure. So let's like bring this to practical, right? Like we've had a mm -hmm. lot of theoretical discussion and we've got to the end and you're like, well, I want to do that. How do I know if I yes, can, yeah, what I need to yeah. do? A, something we're totally happy to help with through one of our individualized equine feeding plans. There's always the link for that. But super quick to talk you through what I think are the steps. One, what's the goal with my horse? Is it achievable? So I'm going to use the top line scoring system to say this is where I am today. Where do I want to go? And can I get there? Recognizing that all horses should be able to have a filled out top line, but it might not be that bulging top line. Number two, evaluating your current diet. If you are feeding a good commercial feed with added lysine, methionine, and threonine, you'll see those on the tag, you're probably meeting that horse's essential amino acid requirements, provided you're feeding at least the minimum label recommended rate for your horse's size level of work. Meaning that, for example, you're feeding calm and easy, you have a thousand pound horse who is in light work, if you're only feeding two pounds of that, you're only getting half the essential amino acids you should. So you want to make sure you're feeding at least that minimum label recommended rate. Now you look at that and you say, well, I'm feeding at least the minimum. 
Mm-hmm. My horse's top line still isn't great. A lot of times we'll recommend we add a pound of a ration balance or like essential K on top of that really economical way to give a boost to those essential amino acid requirements. Uh, we've talked a lot about the thoroughbred today. It's been our example. A lot mm-hmm. of times coming off the track, they need to build top line because you're building a different type of muscle. They have muscles to race. They're just not the same muscles we want to emphasize for the riding horse going into a new discipline. Well, a lot of times they're eating plenty of commercial feed, right? Just based on their metabolism. But it's amazing the difference just adding that ration balancer on top can make and helping them build top line as they move into their new career. So that's a really important tip. Um, And then finally, of course, making sure we don't have underlying health issues. The older horse, Cushing's, is a really common example of why horses don't maintain top line. So that's something from the veterinary side we might want to rule out if we're feeling that that older horse just isn't maintaining top line the way it should. And then if your goal is to go do a performance career, it's finding exercises and a trainer of your discipline of choice to help you condition the exact muscles needed for that job. We want all horses to have a strong top line because that's what helps carry us as riders. But the nitty gritty varies a little bit depending on what job the horse is doing. So kind of adding that to your team of folks to help you reach your goal is a great way to round out that program. And at the end of the day, you know, let you enjoy your horse and whatever it is you want to do with them in a way that best supports their health and performance. Oh, yeah. I just all these different disciplines go through my head. Like, I just love dressage. I love watching it. I, I can never do it. I'm not that good of a writer. But wow. Like, I think at all the different muscles, you know, the side passes and things that they do. And, you know, all these different disciplines with your horses. It, it's just fascinating. We got to love them. That's why we do this podcast. Just got to love Absolutely. horses so much. And with all of that, if if you're still like, wow, I'm I'm swimming, my head's swimming a little bit, you need a little bit of advice, again, like Nicole said, the link is in the show notes and contact us free. It's absolutely free consultation on what you're feeding your horse, what you need, what support you need, and expert advice there. So we'll leave it at that. Thank you, Nicole, and thank you for the listeners. We've got a, a an exciting slate ahead of topics. So I keep those suggestions coming and thanks for listening. Thanks so much.